0: Well good morning everybody. How come only the people behind me are saying good morning? Good morning. Good, morning. Good, morning. good morning. good morning. All right. So welcome to South Coast Community Church. If it is your first time here, we especially welcome you. It looks like we have a lot of empty chairs, so I expect people to be straggling in. Uh, it is a cold morning, huh? What happened to summer? She just she just left. But, uh, but it's okay, um, we're here, and uh, at least we won't sweat today, see that, there's, the, there's your silver lining, and at least pastor won't sweat, looks like he's crying, now we'll know what, which t- what between tears and sweat with him, that's, that's a good thing, right? So my name's Jamie, I'm the associate pastor here, and, and again, I thank you so much for being here, I just have a few announcements, but first and foremost, I just want to thank you for wearing your face coverings and... And uh, working with us with the social distancing thing and I just want to encourage you to keep doing that if you could please obviously we are um, you know mandated to do these things if we want to continue to meet in person and so in order to do that to have that privilege uh, what we have to do is is to continue to abide by that our landlords have requested it and as well as the state so that just sort of enables this right so it's a small price to pay so thank you f- for doing that. Continue to do that. If you're in your seat and if you're singing, you can take them off. Um, unless, of course, you can't sing, then just keep them on. That's totally fine with us. And uh, and we thank you for that. So we've had a bunch of babies born during quarantine. Uh, isn't that cool? I would say in, in another nine months, we're going to have a lot more babies born, right? <laughs> but um, but we've had a bunch of babies born. So I just wanted to uh, introduce some of them. But I don't even see the families here yet. Oh, <gasps> Oh, there they are. There's one of the families. So there's baby Lennox back there. There's Jess. Look at her. Isn't she awesome? I want to bite her cheeks. Oh, look, and another one just came in. We've got Tyler and Amber's little Mila. Look at her. She's perfect. Yes. And then uh, Steve and Sarah Kroll are not here today, but their baby Noel, I think she's a month old today already, so so awesome, right? We've got a bunch of babies, and, and, and my son's already going to be a, a year old. Can you imagine that? He's going to be a year old on, on October 1st. We're, we're hoping to do a, date, a dedication with him on that first anniversary of his birth, so uh, stay tuned for that. But we also have, speaking of, of birthdays, uh, we, we have one in the house here today. And it's somebody who's kind of low-key. You know, like um, a lot of the stuff that we do here at the church, it constitutes, you know, we, you guys get to you show up and you see the music and, and you hear the pastor. And, and you, you know, you kind of see that end product, if you will, for lack of a better term. But behind the scenes, uh, it takes a lot. And so first, also, before I even go into the birthday, I want to, Kathy, I just want to thank you again for everything you're doing to organize this, to make sure everybody has a seat. Yes, and, uh, and, and, you know, she hustles around every morning and see those neat little labels and she's the chair Nazi, we call her. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, going back to what I was saying, if you're watching at home or downstairs, uh, you're watching via live stream. And that only happens because we have somebody who comes every week early to make sure that that live stream is set up and pres- presented and available so that people who are not here in this room can actually worship with us and be part of this service. And that's Damien back there. He's hiding behind that pink thing. See him? Look at that. I think he's actually standing up. I'm sorry. But, um, but Damien's birthday's today. So we're going to definitely embarrass him a little bit because he hates being embarrassed. So if you would all with me just turn and look at the man in the plaid flannel shirt. And Damien, could you stand up for a second, please? We're going to sing happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to, <laughs> happy birthday to you. Louder. Happy Birthday. Dear yes. Happy birthday. To you. Woo! All right. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. And and seriously, we, we're just, you know, happy uh, for all the help that we get. And if you do want to serve here. You want to be part of the fabric that goes into this weekly stuff or even outside of these four walls, which is obviously uh, the church is not a building. It's a people. Uh, let us know. There are opportunities. Obviously, there's some limited things at this time because of COVID and everything, but we do want to get you tied in, and hopefully we'll get some community groups going soon, sooner rather than later. Um, I also wanted to thank the people downstairs uh, who, are, who have um, opted, most of them, to go downstairs so people could sit up here and be part of the live service. They're sitting downstairs in our overflow room. We've got about 30 down there today. 30 folks down there today. Yeah, it's awesome. So we thank them um, for giving us their spot up here. Uh, so that way they can tune in down there and have their own little church service. So uh, we'll be checking out on them, making sure that they stay under control. Just so you know, we're watching. And, uh, and today we have a baptism, uh, yeah, awesome, right? It's a celebration for those of you who are not familiar or maybe you've come from a Catholic background like I did um, or have never been baptized. Baptism through our, through our um, Christian belief and practice is a, is a personal decision, it's a proclamation, it's a profession, a public profession, uh, basically an outward expression of an inward faith. And so what it is, is is, you know, it's part of the Great Commission where Jesus says go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them all that I commanded. It means that basically this is part of the process of obedience. It's one of the two ordinations that Jesus gave, that in communion, that we should do in obedience as followers of Jesus Christ. Everybody understands that? If you have any questions about baptism, if you want to be baptized, if you want to make that next step, again, it doesn't mean you've arrived trust me it doesn't mean you've arrived it means that you're taking that step of faith and obedience period it means that you're committing your life it's it's almost as as uh, real as slapping a bumper sticker on your car that says I'm a Christian you know those fish that we put on our car it's kind of the same thing if you think about it except it means a little bit more and so I really want to encourage you that if you haven't, to really consider it and pray about it. Talk to Pastor Brian and myself, and uh, that baptism will happen today, right here. No, I'm just kidding. It won't happen right here in this room. We don't have a baptismal yet. But it's going to happen at the White's House in Mattapoiset. And I, I stress White's plural or apostrophe. Um, we're not going to D.C. We're going to stay close, but it's going to be cold, and Juliana is getting baptized. Juliana Boya, Yeah proud mom and dad, and then Kerry Whitaker, Kerry, can you just raise your hand, Kerry's taking that step today, that's awesome, right, so we have a couple of baptisms, if you want to go, please join us, you want to just see what it's all about, and if, who's, who is it, Sophia, you're getting baptized too, Woo! I didn't even know, that's awesome, so you guys don't tell me anything, that's, maybe she can sing for us, that would be great, so uh, if you, it's not too late, so if you really are thinking about doing it, it's something you want to do, uh, and it's something you haven't done, please, you're welcome to, and, and you can talk to Pastor Brian and myself, and we'll walk you through it and make sure that it's the right step for you at this time, amen? All right, so I'm going to just ask you all to stand up before we worship here. Got a lot of lights on in here, isn't it, me? But... um. Before we pray, I just, you know, I wanted to, to just remind everybody, Pastor Brian is going to be sharing part two uh, of his message, Shine, and as, as I was thinking about what he's been preaching on and, and, and how much it's spoken to me, I'm sure many of you have been impacted by it in this room, you know, it obviously reminds me of the, the passage, it's in Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 16, and it says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's us, right? That's us. If we're not, amen, yeah, if we're not shining our light for this world to see, then how are they even going to know who Jesus is? Right. That's our job. We are commissioned. We are obligated to shine our light, to do what's right. And so today I pray that if, if that's an area that you've been struggling or lacking, that, that this message, that this worship, that this time would remind and refresh you. And that you would leave here a little more committed, a little more um, dedicated to doing that for Jesus. He says, come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He promises that rest in him. So come, follow him with us today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning grateful. Grateful that we're here together in this room. This privilege to worship you, Lord. That was taken away from us, Lord, because of a disease or a virus. And so, Lord, I pray that it means even more to us now Lord that we realize how privileged we really are because in a lot of countries they can't meet it's illegal so father we are blessed let us not take that for granted let us not become become complacent Lord because of how easy we have some things and Lord some of us have walked in here today who are struggling or seeking or searching they may not have heard the gospel. They may not have committed to you. Or, or, or God may be just some father figure in the sky who throws down lightning bolts when we mess up. But That's not who you are, God. You're a God of grace and truth, of mercy and justice. You're a God of salvation and redemption. And so, Father, if we're here in this room today and we're hearing this message and we're singing these songs, we have an opportunity to enter in to that redemption, to enter in to that rest and forgiveness. It doesn't matter how far we've gone or where we've gone or how long we've gone. The cross is greater than all of it. Your grace is greater than all of it because God, you are greater than all of it. Father, inhabit our praises today. Have your way in this room, in the songs. Have your way in the sermon. Change us. Grow us. Make us more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning. It's like a supercharge in the room today. I don't know if you guys can feel that. No?
2: (laughs) It's not a breeze.
1: So just uh, quickly, it's such a gift for us to be able to just pray about the songs that God wants us to use to worship him. And this list of songs is just, I've been trying to find the thread. And what it is is we're in this new new, you know, where We got used to the old, new, and and now we're getting into school, and we're getting back into the world, and there's a whole new set of anxieties and stresses that go along with all that, and I think I've been feeling it this week. I'm sure some of you have, and I looked up Philippians 4, 6, um, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made, made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is the second most highlighted verse of the Bible. So I think we're probably not alone if we're feeling anxious. But I just want you guys to use this time to just untangle your worries in front of the Lord. You know, just give them to him. He's with us. He's our father. We're not alone. Amen.
2: Good father speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place, please let me see. God speak, hallelujah, oh,
1: God's give him glory, worship your king.
3: Fill this place. Help us to surrender and submit our lives to you. We love you. We hear to worship you, Lord, to be changed by the power of your word and your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, it's, it's so encouraging to see so many people and so many new faces. And again, if you're here for the first time, Welcome. Um, My name is Pastor Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at South Coast, and it's just a blessing. And again, as Pastor Jamie said, there's a group of folks downstairs, and again, we're very grateful um, for for the folks that are willing to do that. Um, But it's great, because ministry goes forward. I read uh, read something this morning. Some of you may have heard it, but I think it summarizes what I'm going to talk about this morning. Religion says God will love us if we change. Anybody kind of grew up with that? Maybe that was your... Your, your idea of faith, right? That was what you were taught. God will love us if we change. But the gospel says God's love changes us. Amen? The gospel says God's love changes us. So whenever we meet and we gather, it's about knowledge about God, but not knowledge for the sake of knowledge. It's knowledge about God that we would know Him more deeply. That we would have a deeper, more vibrant, active and living relationship with him. And that as an overflow of that, everything around us is changed. So the title of the message is Shine. It's part two. We, we started last week. You can listen uh, online, in the podcast, or watch the video. But I would encourage you to go back. But I'm going to recap a little bit and then we'll, we'll get into it. So last week we talked about shining for Jesus, particularly in these dark times. You know, people are isolated, people are, uh, the anxiety level's up, people are really struggling uh, and you see and you have an opportunity and you can either, you know, like we talked about the last few weeks, you can debate or argue or you can, you know, not see where they're coming from or you can just look around and try to find people to encourage right now. Try to, try to find people that you can share the hope you have with right now because there are a lot of people with a lot of struggle, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain right now, a lot of isolation. So I hope the last few weeks that you were encouraged to take steps in your life and fl- find ways to reflect, and then to be sure you're shining for Jesus. We read last week from John 20, verse 30. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, verse 31. That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We're called to believe in Jesus, and that belief gives us life, brings us from death to life, from darkness to light. Every sermon we said has the same goal. It's to bring people who don't know Jesus into a relationship with him. Or for those of us who know him, it's to encourage us to go even deeper. With Moses, and we used this last week as an example, we should pray with Moses in Exodus thirty-three thirteen. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, that I may find favor in your sight. And Moses continues in verse 18, I pray that you would show me your glory. Moses is praying to the Lord, and he's not praying for health or for success. He's praying simply to know God more deeply, to get a better understanding of the character and nature of God. His desire is one for greater intimacy, and I pray that that be the cry of each of our hearts, that when we come here, we come here to fellowship, we come here to worship, we come here to hear word, all those things, but we come here to be in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in in a special way united with his, bo- with his body, with his bride, the church, and we're gathered together in that fellowship. So we're going to recap from last week and, and finish up, and hopefully we're going to end with a commitment together to help encourage each other to consider our own lives in regards to shining for Jesus. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I, and I was telling this to somebody, and they think they kind of took it as like, like I was saying I was doing a good thing, and I was trying to say how... Horrible example I was. The point I was trying to make is that oftentimes I'll have an inclination to either say or do or post or you know I'm getting better, but I'll have this inclination to respond to something and then I'll immediately go, well you can't say that you're you're a pastor, you know you have that's an image you're a pastor that wouldn't be appropriate for a pastor. And and the person I was talking to was like, that's good man, that's awesome. You have self control. I was like, that wasn't the point of that story. The point of that story is what I really should be saying is I, you know, I, don't, I don't want to behave that way because I'm a Christian, because I'm a reflection of Jesus. You see, I don't have the luxury of being un like but neither do you. And that's what we're talking about when we're going to talk about shining. When I was a child where I went to a Catholic private school and so for nine years, my parents weren 't Catholic, by the way, so that for nine years i 'm like what did what were you guys doing with this so just just my father so I thought it 'd be good for you'd be like if it 's true dad it 's good for everybody if it 's not true it 's not good for anybody. I was like debating theology with them in sixth grade. anyway, so I went to the school for nine years, and at the end of like the school day, there would all be all these other kids that would come and they would have like ccd class. everybody know what that is like so those are, those are for the kids. I looked at it, I was like, those are the normal kids that get to go to regular school, and then they just have to come toward the end. Anyway, so CCD class, which I wondered, and just for this sermon, I looked it up. Does anybody know what CCD stands for? No, it's, Con- it's Confraternity of Christian Doctrine, CCD. So anyway, you learned something new. But anyway. Catholic school for kids who had to go to regular school. I had to do the preparation for my confirmation and all that stuff. But they were really the same thing. It was a catechism class. Another word that we hear, that word catechism, we don't really know its meaning. It's just a word from the ancient Greek, and it means to teach orally. So typically to ask questions and there's a response. Instead of just one person talking, it's it's an interactive teaching. It's a catechism. So in religious education, for a long time, to teach kids about God, there would be a whole bunch of questions. The question would be asked and there would be a response. This goes back to the Reformation, popularized by Martin Luther. But typically, there were 107 questions and answers. The most famous once known to a great many children is this. is this first question. And I want us to start with this. I want to frame the whole sermon with this because this is, this is it. This is important. This is the theology that frames everything we're going to talk about. And the question is this. What is the chief end of man? What is the reason that we're alive? What is our purpose? What is ultimately the, the big, big picture of why we exist? That's what that question means. And the answer... The way you answer that question will guide how you live your life. It will guide how you do Christianity. It will guide how you live your life. And this is the answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is it. Everything I'm going to talk about comes from that statement. Jesus' teaching on being salt and light is exactly that same thing. And we're going to explore that more in depth this morning. That we live in such a way that we bring glory to God. And by doing that, we're abiding in Him. And when we abide in Him, we bear fruit and we bring glory to God. It's a self-repeating cycle. But we need to be conscious and aware of our lives. We need to look at what changes need to be made, where we need to be adjusting to make sure we're abiding with him. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you have your way in this place, God. It's not about what I say. It's not about what I've read or what I know. It's about the power of your word and your spirit. It's about this truth, your truth, that never goes, goes, comes back void, that has the power to change lives in eternities. And so, Father, in that power now, we trust in your power. Have your way, minister to us, change us, in Jesus' name, amen. So we wanted to look at three things we said last week, our purpose, what we're called to do, what's causing us pause, and I said, I don't want to say what stopped us, because we're paused, we're going to resume, we're going to stop as a little more, you know, a little less active, we're we're paused, but we're going to keep going, we're going to examine our lives, we're going to figure out what's got us off track, and then we're going to get back to our purpose. And then process. What's the process? How can we encourage each other to shine for Jesus? What does it mean to be and make disciples? Our purpose, why we're paused in our process. And so to recap, last week we talked about what we're called to do. For Christians, the way we said we should see all of our lives, not pieces of it, not compartments, but everything's about being salt and light. To our spouses... You know, sometimes you get really good at being salt and light outside of the walls of our home, and then we're home and we're salt all right, but it's not the good kind of salt, right? We, get it, we, get, we forget what it's like to, to be kindest to those closest to us. You know, I don't know how many times, and, and you know, it wasn't lost in any of the irony, I was doing a sermon on patience one time, and the kids kept interrupting me, and I was getting frustrated with the kids, and it was like the Lord said, you see what's happening here, right? You see the, you see the living example, the ministry, But we're called to be salt and light all the time, in all of our lives, in all of our relationships, in everything we do. We're to engage the world with God's love. Jesus tells us, Matthew 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Jesus is saying that if salt doesn't do what salt is supposed to do, it becomes useless. So we know we're called to be salt and light. We're called to change the environment around us. So what happened? What's hindering us? What's stopping us from being useful for God? Why are we put back on the shelf, so to speak? We talked last week. I used the illustration of the lake I live on and all the weeds. Not stuff that's supposed to go grow there. Stuff that came in and then it wasn't eradicated, it wasn't taken out. We knew it wasn't supposed to be there, but you know, a little bit's not going to hurt. And before you know it, it's overgrown and now you forget it's a lake, you can't even use it for anything. And now it looks like there may be no way back. And some of you are feeling that way right now. Some of you are feeling, you know, it's sat out, these little things, these little, and now, the, I mean, the weeds are everywhere. I just look, and I'm overwhelmed. I just feel like I'm not going to get back there. I can't. There's a way back. I have a good friend of mine, a good pastor friend, and I used to always go to him with my, with my problems, and I would always say, but man, I think. And he'd say, you know, every time you come to me for advice, you always start with telling me what you think and what you feel. You notice that? I'm like, no, it sounds so all right. He goes, who cares what you think and feel? What does the word of God say? How many times are we, you know, well, I feel this, well, I think this. Well, you, you, know, you know how much, you know how long my guilt kept me away from the truth of the gospel, feeling like, you know, if I was God, I would be the last person I would save. There's like, you know, people, stuff happened to them, it wasn't their fault. I'm just a, you know, like, I don't deserve saving, but what is the truth? Who cares what you think? Who cares what you feel? You're here right now. I don't know why you're here. God knows why you're here. But maybe you think that. I'm not worth saving. I'm not, you know, I'm here. I'm hanging out. Maybe get, catch a little Jesus wave or something. But I'm not, you know, I don't know about surrender or obedience. I don't know. I could never do this Christian thing. Yeah, you're right. That's what makes it so cool when he starts doing it through you. Because everybody that knows you looks and goes, wait a minute, you didn't even have raw talent. <laughs> you, were, you were good for nothing. But God. But God. It doesn't matter how, how many weeds. It doesn't matter. There's a beautiful lake in there that reflects the image of your creator. And Jesus Christ died so that image could be restored in you. In your, in your redemption, in your daily sanctification, in your justification, which is a big word that just means when God looks at you now, he sees Jesus, who paid the penalty. So unless you think that your stuff was too big for what Jesus did, unless you want to diminish his work on that cross then just bow down and give your life and gratitude and humility for what Jesus did for you. That's the gospel. And when you understand that kind of truth, you can't help but shine. People have to be preaching about shine for Jesus. You're just doing it. You don't even know why. You know, I hate to you know, embarrass. Actually, I don't hate to embarrass my wife. That was completely a lie. I like to embarrass my wife, but I usually won't if she's here because I try to respect that she doesn't like to be embarrassed. But when I was in Teen Challenge, she was a waitress, and God bless anybody that's a waitress, because it's the hottest thing, like, you know, you know, everybody's yelling at you, nobody's happy, it's always crazy, I don't know how anybody does it. Anyway, she's a waitress at this place, and I was in Teen Challenge, and every now and then I'd talk to her, and I'd say, you know, and she'd, I'd say, you know, how was it over there? And now I'm feeling guilty that I'm not providing all that, and she'd say, well, you know, it was a rough day, I mean, you know, it's kind of crazy, everybody yells, and I'm like, well, you know, why are you there, like, you know, just, you know, and she's like, well, I'm making a difference, I'm, I can tell, people are asking me questions, and so I'm like, I'm still thinking, Bobby remembers back in these days, I'm still thinking to myself, well, that's nice and all, you know, but, you know, people yelling at you, like, I don't like that, just, you know, find an easier way, honey. I know you're shining for Jesus, but just, just seek what may be more comfortable for you. That was my good Christian advice to her. And she said, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all right. And time went on and time went on. And, you know, people asked her, like, you know, what, what, you know, what's your story? And she said, well, my husband's in rehab right now. And they said, but you seem so happy. <laughs> oh, yeah, my husband's not home now. If you knew him, you'd be happy too. She's like, well, you know, I'm a Christian and, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm just trusting God. And, and the people thought she was crazy, but, you know, they, that opened the door. When, uh, when it was over and she just, you know, I was coming out and she told them, they said, anytime you ever want to come back, you've got a job. They said, we, we don't know what you, what you do, we don't know, but there's just something about you. You just brought joy to this place. And she said there were people that were. She was, started working there, and she was afraid of them. And they were asking her, and she gave a lady a Bible, and she said, you know, I'm a Christian. This is what Jesus teaches us to do. That's shining for Jesus. It's not, it's not, you know, in the big, you know, stuff that, look, it's in the little everyday faithfulness of asking the question and just going, you know, Teen Challenge is a frustrating place. I mean, I'm still there. I've been there for 13 years. The Teen Challenge couple of brothers are here now. And so sometimes the guys will get frustrated and they'll come to me and say, you know, why do you keep doing it? Why do you keep doing anything? I ask one question. One question, that's it. Is my life making a positive difference for Christ in the lives of other people? If the answer is yes, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I don't have to look at other things. I don't have to be distracted. I don't have to look at what my neighbor's doing, what my boss said. All this other stuff is a distraction. What's the primary thing? I'm making a difference for Jesus where I am. And if the answer to that question is yes, then I'm going to keep going forward until he moves me. Thank you, Bernice. <laughs> you see, a lot of times I think it's, it's just negligence. It's just it, we're overwhelmed. Things have gotten so overgrown. Other times I think sin is reigning where Christ should. Just ongoing sin is one reason we pause. And we get, you know, this is the struggle with sin. Like this, that. Well, we're, nobody's perfect. We're all going to struggle with sin. That's, that's true. But then there's some of you going, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to struggle with that one. I'm just, you know, me and that one, are, we have a, a truce. That, that sin can hang out in my life. I'm not going to fight against it because nobody's perfect. I love when people say, the Bible doesn't say be perfect. Actually, Jesus says be perfect. Your heavenly Father is perfect, but hey, I throw scripture in there, right? But what, are we stopping? Are we considering that? Because we're like, I'm not shining for Jesus. Well, you know, you're shining for something. <laughs> When somebody's looking at your life, what is it that they're seeing? What is, what is that, that one thing? Because with the rich young ruler, the reason why Jesus let him go down the list of everything he was doing is because Jesus, I think, wanted him to see how close he was and then also how much of a, of a hold this one thing had on him. How much of an idol controlled his life. And so the guy's like, look, I've been following the commandments my whole life. And Jesus is like, look, Check. Well, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, I have a great reputation in the community, check. I've been, you know, I've done everything since I was a boy, oh, check, check, check. What does Jesus say? There's one thing you lack. There's one thing stopping you from shining. There's one thing that I'm going to ask you right now to give up, and you're all going to look at me, and I'm going to have sadness because you're all going to say it's not worth following me, and you're all going to walk away. And he tells them, sell what you have, everything you have, and follow me. Because for that one guy, everything he had was his idol. And we can read that story and we can say, well, you know, that's, you know, look what, he should have followed Jesus. But what's your idol? And just because you haven't gone out and said out loud, well, no, Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to follow you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away. And it says in the scripture, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Which means that the rich young ruler considered what Jesus was asking, and he made a decision. But yet, deep down inside, there was sadness with his decision. Because whenever you choose away from Jesus, you will always feel sad fundamentally inside. So what does he do? He walks away, but at least he's honest. Because some of us have that idol, and Jesus is like, yeah, you need to get rid of that. And we're like, no. I mean, I'm going to keep showing up and doing the religious stuff, but no. And then we hear sermons about shining for Jesus, and we're like, you know, I want to shine, but do you really? Do I really? Because I'm not preaching this to you. This is the word preaching to us. Am I a little more in love with my sin than I am with Jesus? I mean, let's be honest, right? Because if we're not honest, we're not going to make changes. Sometimes it's neglect, sometimes it's laziness, sometimes it seems so overwhelming, sometimes it's ongoing sin that we just don't want to get rid of. But the reality is, when something is no longer a priority, when nobody's taking care of it, it gets worse and worse. Life doesn't fall apart all at once. I mean, sometimes it does, but most of the time it's a series of of bad choices, you fall in love with Jesus and you know you have uh, you have some time and you're excited and you're doing things and you're passionate and something happens. And it happens slowly and you know I'm I'm reading some books right now for a pastoral counseling and it's so sad to hear these testimonies of people who are wounded by the very church that's supposed to heal and encourage and help them. And some of you sitting in this room have experienced that. And so instead of being hurt, instead of being encouraged, rather, when you're hurt, you've been wounded further and you're further isolated. You know, I've said before, I, you know, and, and people have, have said to me, you know, you know, the thing about recovery churches is, you know, they, sometimes they can be like an AA meeting. Now, I don't know what a recovery church is because we're all recovering from sin, so everything's a recovery church to me, but I get the point. But I would say. To that person, well, let's look at an AA meeting for, 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 a, for a second. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's a place people go because they're broken or to help other broken people if they're doing better. It's a place people go where nobody cares if you're a doctor or you work at a fast food place or it doesn't matter how much money you have or how educated you are. There's a common struggle and there's a desire to change. If that doesn't describe the Christian church, I don't know what does. Because nobody cares how much money you have and how educated you are. I care about how broken you are. I care about how I can heal you. I care about how close you are to God and how you can get closer and how I can help you in that and how you can help me in that. Because that's what it's about. Fundamentally, that's why we're here. To help each other take steps closer to Jesus. And so, please, please, wherever you are right now at this very moment in your spiritual journey, don't put off another second what Jesus wants to do in your life right now at this moment now. You know, we're going to have a baptism later. And the people that are committing their lives to Jesus publicly, some of us just need to recommit. I don't care about yesterday, last week, a year ago. I don't care about your past. Jesus is telling you, come home. Come home, meet me here. Abide in me. And, you know, some of us us don't even worry about shining. You know, just worry about being healed and resting and being made whole in the presence of Jesus because you will shine when that happens, especially when you're really broken and Jesus heals you. So some of you are like, man, I don't even have the strength to live for me. I don't know if I can be living for anybody else. Okay, that's all right. Meet Jesus. Meet Jesus. And if you're here and you're, you know, you've neglected things and you know, they're out of, out of sorts in your life and you've allowed things that shouldn't be in there, amen. Repent. That's all you got to do. And a lot of times it's our pride. It's just our flesh. Well, I'm not going to repent. Well, I'm going to keep doing it. Well, da, da, da. listen, all the stuff the enemy's saying right now in your head, ignore it. Jesus says, repent, and your sins will be seen as white as snow. Just repent. Confess your sins to one another, and you will be healed. How bad do we have to let things get in our lives? How long will we allow the small comp- compromises? will we not notice the deterioration year by year until eventually the lake is overgrown the salt is no longer salty the christians are no longer abiding with jesus so we read last week to get back to the source to get back to the reason you know we always we make we complicate everything this stuff isn't complicated it's it's very simple Revelation 2, 1 through 5. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. This is Jesus saying, I know your works, your labor, your patience. I know that you can't bear those who are evil. I mean, we're off to a pretty good start, right? You've tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars. So you can identify false teachers. You're working hard for Jesus. You got, you're got developing patience. You can't bear those who are evil. You've persevere, persevered. You've labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Sounds almost like he's dealing with the rich young ruler again, doesn't he? Like, Jesus, Jesus must have gone to that seminar where they're like, all right, if you're going to say one negative, say, like, five positive first. It cushions the blow. You can laugh. It's okay. Maybe it just wasn't that funny. Jesus is saying, you've done all these things. It's good that you've done all these things that you're supposed to do. Nevertheless, I have this against you. I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love. Some of us, that's it. Like, we, we don't need the, the theological understanding. We don't need to go to the Greek. We don't need to, you know. Some of us, we just need to, just need to take an honest assessment and just go, have I fallen out of love with Jesus? Have I, have I neglected that relationship a little bit? Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, look, at some point, you've got you to walk in repentance. You've got to say, all right, you're right, Jesus. I fell out of love with you. I'm going to repent because I want to shine for you because Jesus is standing. At some point, you're going to have no lampstand. You're going to have no influence. At some point, and we know he's gracious with us but have we forgotten the most important thing? Have we become so used to things that we've lost our ability to change them and instead everything around us is changing us? Tell the kids, either a thermometer or a thermostat. You ever in youth group had that lesson? Right? What does a thermometer do? A thermometer just tells the temperature. It just reflects whatever the room is doing. What does a the thermostat do? It sets the temperature. We tell the kids, you want to be a thermostat. You want to set the tone. You want to set the culture. You don't want to just go in and reflect what's around you. So slowly, day by day and year by year, we get used to the weeds in our lives. Until we're no longer impacting the world for Jesus and nobody notices anything wrong. You know, when I, if you talk about what a real Christian looks like, everybody thinks you're talking about like radical stuff. But it's just a community of people following after Jesus, just loving Jesus, trying to live the way Jesus taught and lived. It's not really that complicated. And he empowers us to do it. But we've we got to be committed. Or, or generations will continue to leave and the church will exist on the outskirts. We read last week Jeremiah two thirteen. My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves that cannot broken cisterns that cannot hold water. We've neglected Jesus. We've neglected our first love. And so, what do we do? Because that's only that's only step one. But we got to fill that. We got we, The void's not gone. It's not like we walked away from Jesus and we it said, it's not like the rich young ruler went and he walked away and was like, well, that was a great decision. I mean, that was, you know, if I look back at my life, that was one of the best. I am so happy now. Things are great. No, you know he regretted that for the rest of his life. Because the place where God was supposed to be, something else is there. And so in our hearts, the place where God is supposed to be, something else is there. And whatever it is will destroy you if it's not destroying you already. It's, it's the truth, I wish, I wish my words could convey it with more power, but you know it deep down inside, that when you choose self instead of choosing to shine for Jesus, that it, it, it's never what you thought it would be, that it's the lie of the enemy. And I think part of it we said last week was because we've forgotten our identity. I mean, sometimes, you know, I wake up and I don't feel forgiven, I don't feel set free. I don't feel victorious. I don't feel an amb- like a, I'm an ambassador. I don't feel particularly grateful. I'm the only one. You guys all wake up and you're just ready to go, right? Two of us feel a little sad in the morning. My wife wakes up. She's outside with the ducks for three hours praying to Jesus, and she's on fire. She comes in. <sighs> Sorry. But again, what did I say when I start that, that sentence with? Sometimes I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel set free. But I am forgiven. But I am set free. But I am victorious. But I am an ambassador. And if those things don't cause me to be grateful, I need to go back to the beginning. I need to remember some of my yesterdays and last years. 10 years ago, sorry. Last years were rough, but not that rough. We focus too much of our own, on our own stuff. We forget our new identity. We forget our new purpose. We forget the chief end of man. But the alternative is that when a Christian is doing what a Christian does, the light changes everything it, come to, it comes into contact with. The light of Christ himself, and we must realize that. And John eight twelve. Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying that. And then in Matthew 5, 14, he changes that. And he says, we are the light of the world. Because he's going to be with the Father, leaving us the Holy Spirit. And he's going to build a community of followers for one reason. To change the world. That's why we were here. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, darkness can't exist where the light shines. And Jesus is saying that as his followers, we're the light of the world. What does light do? It eliminates darkness. It, It illuminates. It allows us to see. It makes things clearer. People don't say they're afraid of the light. They're afraid of the dark. Light eliminates fear. And we should want to shine that. So the clear implication is twofold. First, true light cannot be hidden. Jesus says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. When it's shining, people will see. When you're abiding in Jesus, people will see. And if you have that true light, you don't want to hide it. You want it to be as bright and as effective as possible. You want to do whatever you can to enhance the light. The lights that would have been used by those in Israel at that time, they would have been a small lamp, probably about the size of your palm. And they would set it on a stand to maximize its effect, to make it even brighter. True light should not and true light cannot be hidden. God says that light has been supernaturally placed in us by the Holy Spirit to shine. So if we've been changed, we must let our light shine. And when we do, it glorifies the Father, not us. So how does that happen? The last part. How do we effectively shine for Jesus? I can tell you where it starts, the process, and how we encourage one another in it. Because I don't think it's just merely the observance of good works on the outside. Because all kinds of people try to do all kinds of good things for all kinds of good reasons. When he began his ministry in Luke 4.18, Jesus is quoting from the prophet Isaiah. And he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. We've been anointed to preach the gospel. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. John 6, 29, Jesus told them, this is the work God wants from you. Believe in the one He has sent. See, step one is believing and trusting in Jesus. I said before in the past three, four, five weeks, that just because you're here, I'm not going to assume that you've ever trusted Jesus. I'm not going to assume that. My friend says he knows people that have been Christians for 50 years, and he knows people that have been like doing the, the first-year Christian thing 50 times over. Ask themselves, have they ever really said, Lord, I, I, give, you my, I give you my life. I trust you, Lord. I put my heart. And it's not a one-time thing, and you have to continue to say that. But f- at one point in your life, to surrender your life to Jesus, to say, Lord, I'm, I'm done, I can't, you know. Take control. Some of us have said it a whole bunch of times, we need to continue to say it. But, but the, the, pr- the prayer of my heart, the cry of my heart, is that if you're here right now and, and you desperately need to say, take control of Jesus, that you don't leave here without saying that. Because things are just going to get worse, I promise you that. The quicker you give up control, the better off you are. Only by believing are we given eyes to see and a heart to serve. We begin being salty, doing things that salt does. So we walk in obedience and surrender. And when we do that, when we walk in faith, inevitably there's an overflow. You are the light because of the light in you. And so we gather and we help each other by trying to pray for and walk with and talk to and be in relationship with each other and look and and keep an eye out when our brother or sister is weak and struggling and lift them up and encourage them. Maybe when their light is getting a little dim, we gather to be strengthened by one another by the spirit and the word. And the good news is that God will do the work. We need to cry out to Him in forgiveness. We need to ask Him for a new life. We need to put our lives into the care of Jesus. And then we need to live as though He's our Lord and Savior, our King and our Redeemer, our friend and our leader, our Father and our God. But here are some promises. Psalm 146, 8. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. So what is real religion? James 1.27, it's religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To serve those who are in the greatest need, who are the most vulnerable, but do it in such a way that you maintain your integrity, that you maintain your witness, that you maintain your shine. Care for the orphans and the widows. Those who have helping those who don't. Serving with humility and gratitude. And again, that begins with our spouses, our families, our churches, our workplaces, our communities. You know, I've, I, I learned my lesson. I haven't said it in a while, but sometimes my wife would come home and I'd be like, hey, honey, I did the dishes for you. She'd be like, for me you did them, huh? I haven't eaten anything all day. How many kids do we have? How many meals have you eaten, big guy? You did the dishes for me, huh? Thank you. Well, I did the dishes for us, honey. We're a team. I did the dishes for us. I learned that. Or I'll, watch, I'll, watch, like, I'll babysit the kid. Like you say that, it's my kid. You know, like, It's not really babysitting. It's just being a dad, right? I'll watch the kid today. Anyway. But it starts with our spouses. It starts with our families. It starts with our communities. You, gotta, you don't get to pick and choose where you live this stuff out. You think, uh, you know, I mean, marriage is the, you know, the, the blueprint for Christianity. Like, that's the, the training, the proving grounds. The best relationship ever, the most difficult relationship. But God will use your spouse, your family. Remember the words of first, in 1 Peter 3.15. And this is it. If you want to pray on, if you want to meditate on, if you want to, you know, ask the Lord to speak to your heart with one scripture, this is it. But in your heart, and that word that means in the center of your being, that's, that, it, that's not just an emotional, an affection, that word, that, that means the center of everything you are, your, your core, it involves your intellect, your emotion, your will, your feelings, all of that, in your heart, in every fiber of who you are, regard Christ the Lord as Holy. Believe in Jesus as Lord and be ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you because it's inevitable. Because if you know Jesus in that kind of way, it's inevitable that people are going to say, what is it that's different about you? You can say it's Jesus. We said last week that's the primary thing of a Christian. Jesus needs to be the Lord of our life and on the throne of our heart and in, char- in charge of it all. So we are to be disciples who love God, who love the church, and who love others. But we're also to develop disciples who love God, love the church, and love others. We're not called to withdraw from the world. We're not called to be afraid and hide our light until Jesus returns. We're called to shine. You say, "Well, it's getting darker." Well, then there's need for more light. Don't don't be overcome. We know how we know how the story ends, right? We know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We're just trying to help them get there a little bit sooner, right? We're trying to share the only hope that we have to speak truth in love, to reveal the life changing power of the gospel followers of Jesus we must commit to live as salt and light to make a difference for the glory of God and if you're not a follower of Jesus I pray that you trust in him today because I promise that only he can change your life forever first John 1 5 through 9 this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's a promise. That's a promise that after Jesus enables us to see ourselves as a sinner, he cleanses our sin and he empowers us to walk with him, to be salty, to affect everything we come in contact with. And the other encouraging thing, and the, uh, le- uh, the uh, worship team can start to add up, is Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. See, Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And maybe you're here and there's been enough stuff that's been stolen from you. There's enough death in your life. There's enough destruction. Jesus says that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So yes, you've heard me preach again and again. The gospel is free, but it's not cheap. It's a life for a life. Jesus gave Himself up for us and asked that we give ourselves up for Him. But we're gaining everything and losing nothing. And the promise is a full and abundant life. The promise is in that dying to self we will find life. We will find our purpose and meaning and value not in the things of the world but in living for God. He's given us a helper in the Holy Spirit to help us live for Him to guide us into truth, to comfort, to convict. Just stand with me. I'm going to read these last few things, and then we'll prepare to worship. So we've got to read the Bible, Jesus' new scripture. We get to pray alone and together. We get to be in community, in real community. I know it's harder now, but we're doing it. This pockets is groups meeting but we gotta find a community. Find, you know, you can have your, your friends, and I'm not saying everybody you hang around with should be a Christian. In fact, that's not the case. But you should have a group of Christian friends that you can walk things out with. You shouldn't just have your close friends that aren't Christians and then your church friends that you're not close to. You need a group of Christians you're close to in your life. Because that's where discipleship's gonna happen. Be in a real community where you can share your struggles. And be encouraged and prayed for. Serve. Just get involved and help out. You know, if if you know however many people, if everybody does a little bit, it's nothing. If you only got one or two people, then it, it gets overwhelming. So read the word, know the word, pray, be in community, serve, and you can't help but shine. John uh, Wesley. Wrote a little book called Three Simple Rules. And these are the rules do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. If I would talk to him, I would ask him why he put him in that order, but I guess he's John Wesley. But the fact of the matter is, he's assuming at the end that you are, in fact, in love with God. And so as we transition to worship, I just want us to take a minute. I want us to honestly consider. We're going to go and and we're going to do a baptism in a little bit to people that decided to give their lives to Jesus to let everybody know I'm dying to self, I'm dying to yesterday, I'm rising to today in Jesus. So, Father, help us to do that as well, even if we've been baptized, even if maybe we've made that profession of faith, To say, Lord, there's some things in my life I need to die to. Some things in my life I need to give up to you, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that you have your way in our lives. That we need to honestly ask ourselves to to pray like David. Search my heart, Lord. Let let me be honest. Have Have I replaced you with idols? Are there other things on the throne of my heart? Are you crowded out, Lord? Because we repent, Jesus. Right now in this place, we're vulnerable. We repent, God. We ask you to forgive us. Lord, we want to shine for you. Empower us. Create in us a hunger and thirst for your word, for your presence. Help us to stay deeply in love with Jesus. And let everything we do at this place No matter what you decide the ministry looks like, no matter where we meet, let everything that's done here be simply an overflow of a group of people who love Jesus, who've been rescued and redeemed, who are very broken, and are being healed and made whole into the image of Jesus Christ. Flawed, yet being perfected because of His power and for His glory. So, Jesus, as we worship you now, let us do that with all of our hearts and with all of our soul. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
2: trusted you and stepped out on the ocean. You caught my hand among the waves. Cause you're the guy.
1: Jesus, God, we thank you so much for this morning spent in your presence, God, sitting at your feet. God, we thank you for the light you've placed inside of us. God, we thank you that you've given us the privilege of showing this world who you are, how you love God. What a good, good father you are, how you are faithful. God, how you never leave us, no matter the darkness, God, no matter the shadows, The trials and the troubles, God, we know that you are always with us. And Father, we ask that as as we go today, God, into this dark world, God, that you just help us to shine your light, God, like the moon reflects the sun. God, we want to reflect you. Jesus, we just ask that you give us the courage where we lack. God, you give us the strength where we're weak. As your word promises, Lord, we ask that you be with the people who are being baptized this afternoon. God, we thank you for their lives. God, we thank you for their proclamation and their their dedication to you, God, and we ask that you pour a blessing on them, that their lives reflect you for the rest of it, God. Thank you for this house of worship, God. Thank you for our pastor and our leaders, God. We ask that you just instill in them and anoint them afresh with your power, God, with your wisdom, Lord, that they lead us as you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. amen.
3: Just a reminder, we will be live streaming the baptism for those of you who won't be there in person and you want to watch it. So we just congratulate those being baptized and have a blessed week.